0: Listen, we all love a night out, right? Whether it's seeing your favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on your favorite team. With Vivid Seats, you can attend that concert or a show or a sporting event and do so at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events that you want to attend. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and the row of your choice. The process is so easy. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving you an exclusive promo code if you're a new customer and you can get 10% off your first ticket order and save even more money. Here's what you do. You go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Once again... First-time customers can use the promo code ROAM and get 10% off your first Vivid Seats order. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has everything you need. Download the app, enter the promo code ROAM, and get 10% off your first order on Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime. Let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. That's Vivid Seats. Promo code Rome and get ten percent off your first
1: order. Vivid Seats. These underdog stories, like Rudy, and you know, the, I I actually am am not a huge lover of like Rudy kind of movies because I I always was like, this guy sucks. You know, what what are we cheering about? He's not even good.
0: Cracking, welcome to the Jim Rohn Podcast. I appreciate you being here for the original Side Hustle, and I know you'll appreciate my guest for episode 57, filmmaker Gabe Polsky. Now, Gabe is a fascinating guy, a Chicago native. He played college hockey at Yale and did not decide on a career in film until after he realized that a career in hockey simply was not in the cards. And since then, he has been doing work. He produced Werner Herzog's film, Bad Lieutenant. He was nominated for an Emmy for his documentary, His Way, on the life of Hollywood legend, Jerry Weintraub. And he wrote, directed, and produced the award-winning documentary, Red Army, an incredible movie about the legendary Soviet Union hockey team. His newest film, In Search of Greatness, is in select theaters on November 2nd. He sat down with Pele, Wayne Gretzky, and Jerry Rice to try to figure out what it takes to become a transcendent athlete. I've seen the movie. It's amazing so pot up my conversation with gabe polski starts right now gabe it's so good to have you here in studio let me first ask you before we get into the movie itself this is all going down right now you've got the premiere coming up you've done the work i know this is a passion project it's deeply personal to you but as a filmmaker before a movie drops What exactly are you feeling emotionally? Do you have any sense of how this is going to go? What's this week like for you?
1: It's very, very nerve-wracking. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, the stories, I can go on and on about how crazy it is out there in terms of, like, independent film distribution. But, you know, I know, you know, from screening the film, you kind of many times, you know, basically barnstorming across the country, just you get a really good sense of, like, how people are reacting to it. I know the film... people are responding incredibly strongly and they're excited about it and see a lot of value in it i'm confident in the film but i honestly have no idea whether we're gonna you know cut through all the clutter and people are gonna know about it enough to go you know because there is so much out there but you know very excited we're going in commercial theaters and you know so we'll see what happens It's a great point, isn't it? I mean, there is a lot of noise. There's a
0: lot of clutter. We're all battling as we push content out there. I mean, you're in a different business, of course, but you want to be seen. You want to be heard. And it it doesn't matter how good it is if people don't see it. But I think you've got a great chance because what you did, you understood this. You had to get the best of the best. You had to get the best of the best to sit down. And that's what you did. You got Jerry Rice. You got Wayne Gretzky. And you got Pele. And we're talking about In Search of Greatness. So the question right off the top. What makes a truly great athlete? What separates the best from the best? What did you learn?
1: Well, I think it has to do with creativity, first and foremost. You know, when we when we go to the stadium, I think we're all looking for something that we've never seen before. We want to turn next to the guy next to you and say, you know, wow, did you just see that? I can't believe that. You know, it's those moments, you know, that Steph Curry does or, you know, Jordan or Ali that... that you know that are surprising, that are improvisational, their their performance moments, their creativity, and I think we've lost that understanding that that's really the essence of greatness and and what sport is all about. And uh, I think the more we we kind of accept and understand that, the more we can you know nurture and encourage greatness and creativity. I think like Steph Curry is a great example, but Gretzky especially. Like you look at Wayne Gretzky, you look back on his
0: career physically, there was really nothing exceptional about him. He wasn't that big. He wasn't that strong. If you measured him against his peers physically, there was nothing unique about him except he's only the greatest who ever did it.
1: Well, the unique thing is that he is so seemingly incapable. I mean, Gretzky, if you were to show somebody, you know, is this guy going to be a hockey player? You'd say absolutely not. He's not a hockey player, but... The, the irony is that, he, you know, a guy like that who was who skated strangely, he, he didn't have a hard shot, he, he wasn't particularly fast, you know, by conventional standards and, and just completely obliterated the record. So what does that say? If we're not trying to produce guys like that and it's just an anomaly, then how how are these guys ever going to exist again, you know, guys like that? So exactly how did he do this? I mean, again, he, he he's unique in that he's unique, but physically he's
0: not. I mean, yeah. he just, he really wasn't. So if a guy was not dominant in any sense physically,
1: yeah.
0: how did he dominate his sport the way he did?
1: Well, he, you know, I think he he understood that at a very young age, that he, he wasn't going to rely on speed or power and basically started to figure out, okay, well, I've got these weaknesses. What, what am I going to do? And basically he would watch you know, every single game on television when he wasn't playing and basically study it and study it. And, 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 uh, you know, based on kind of my interviews, it seemed like he had some kind of photographic memory. Cause he said, I remember every sure. single game of every play that I've ever been in. And, um, and he, he internalized it so much so that, that he, you know, had an incredible anticipation ability and basically Knew what was going to happen before it happened, so he didn't have to spend the ener- energy. He, you know, and and battle. He just arrived at the right place at the right time and was able to see things before they happened and make plays. You know, they always said that about him too. He he would go to the
0: spot where the puck was going to end up, but yeah. he knew that. You know, he to me again for a movie like this to work, and you and I could talk about access and footage and things like that. But you need a buy-in from somebody like that. I I've known Wayne a long time. Not the easiest guy to get close to. Not the easiest guy to get to sit down to do it. How were you able to do so, and how committed is he to the project?
1: Yeah, very very difficult. So he had seen my last movie, Red Army, at the Toronto Film Festival, and and he really liked it. He gave a quote for the DVD, and but I tried to. I thought it would be a lot easier to get to him because of that. And you know, I went about trying to do it, and he, you know, was unresponsive for like six months basically. And I don't honestly, I don't know what happened. I don't (laughs) know what happened, but. I got a call one day, and they said, "Okay, you know, you can come and basically do it for an hour." So he invited me to his house for an hour, exactly. And uh, and it started from there. But the irony is that when I started the interview, he had no idea what I was doing or or why I was there. And I asked him, and you see in the in the movie, I guess he doesn't like want to know details, you know, because it it might get in his head or something like that. But I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, not just Gretzky, but Pele and Jerry Rice also didn't really know why I was there. I thought I had to do so much convincing and persuasion. It took about a year to get these guys that it would seem like they'd know what this is, <laughs> what I was trying to do. But they didn't. It's interesting
0: because, like as an example, Charles Barkley is a guy that I've talked to a number of times over the years. And sometimes for TV things where I sit down, if I sit down with him like I do with you, I'll say, hey, look, Chuck, here's where I want to go. And he'll say to me, Roman, you know better than that. I don't want to know where we're going to go. I'm just going to let it rip. I'm like, are you sure, Chuck? We're going to get into some pretty controversial stuff. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. But the guys you're talking about, I would think would want to know. And by the way, what are they sitting down to
1: if they don't know? What did they commit to? They committed to basically, on average, I got about an hour and 20 minutes on average, which is not a lot for a documentary no, film, not. you know, because most of these documentarians, they get as much time as they Days. want. So I had to be incredibly focused and, and really kind of know how I was going to make this film. Now, the film is about ideas. You know, it's not a traditional narrative. So the structure was very difficult, but I still had to have a really good internal sense of what I was what I wanted to get and sort of that that. So it was it was really challenging, but they didn't know. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. They went fine. They sat down. That's the thing. Now, what yeah. about Rice? When you asked Jerry Rice if he had superior genetics, what yeah. was his response? Is that he didn't, you know, and that he was he wasn't as fast, you know. If you take combine stats, he he, he was sort of middle to lower end there. But he he talks about football speed, right? And that's about basically getting. Again, anticipation and sort of efficiency and in in, in how you run the routes—that you're not—it's not about how many steps you take; it's about how few steps you take and how you take those steps. You know what I'm saying? He 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 carefully calibrated everything. You know, in his, with his technique, and also, you know, it's pretty well documented that his work ethic was off the charts. And one thing I asked him, I said, "You know, well, everybody works 110," and he just kind of looked at me. And basically said, nobody... Basically, nobody works as hard as me. Nobody worked as... You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, he's known for
0: running that hill and yeah. doing 110%. Okay, what about Marciano? You know, you didn't sit down with Rocky Marciano, but it's mentioned also. Yeah. This is a guy that was shorter. He had shorter reach, but again, one of the best of all time. So, what did he bring to it that was yeah. so different? So,
1: Marciano never lost a fight. Right. Okay? He was... He weighed a lot less than all of his opponents. His reach was, you know, much shorter. So, he... Again, he understood those weaknesses and developed a technique of boxing that confused people, A, and he would side and and developed an inside style, uh, which basically allowed him to dominate. And even guys like Muhammad Ali talk about Marciano and, and say, listen, this guy was definitely one of the greatest, if not, you know. So what we're talking about here
0: then, Gabe, is like a discussion about nature versus nurture. So if you were to talk to these guys that you sat down with, how much of that would they say is nature and how much is nurture?
1: I think they would, you know, it's hard to quantify it exactly, but I think a lot more nurture. Again, I'm going to bring up guys like Tom Brady. We know the story. Drafted low, not fast, not particularly strong arm, but again, accuracy and mind for the game. Lionel Messi shorter he he had his growth spurt was much later but he again they developed these interesting techniques that allowed them to kind of reimagine the game they used their imagination and that's what i'm talking about here in order to be the greatest of all time you have to have a very active imagination and develop that and have time to experiment with with that and with your with yourself your own abilities. All right, so
0: let me ask you this: If we're talking about creativity and imagination, what about the? I mean, we've long been led to believe, right, that the path to success is mastery, repeated practice, early specialization. You know that whole Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand yeah. hour rule.
1: Is that not the case? Well, I mean, clearly. Well, you know, when people watch this film, they say Gladwell right away because it's in that. You know, it's about success and about how to. You know achieve success. And everyone points to that 10,000 hours because parents, it's easy for parents to grasp and they just kind of go with that. But yeah, I mean, everyone knows you got to be work incredibly hard and spend a lot of hours. Look, that's not, that's not even a new thing. You know, we all kind of knew that. Um, But you know what these guys were doing, it's about, you know, what you do with that practice as well. And sort of the, the idea that you, You can't achieve greatness unless those ten thousand hours, let's say, are 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 fun, and you're using your imagination. You're you're practicing with purpose, not just sort of doing playing. You know, you, you have to use your imagination, and I think that's one thing that parents, you know, don't understand. And greatness can't be manufactured. It can't be pushed. You have to. It has to come from within the athlete.
0: Bethesda Game Studios, the award-winning creators of Skyrim and Fallout 4, welcome you to Fallout 76, the online prequel where every surviving human is a real person. Work together or not to survive. Under the threat of nuclear annihilation, you will experience the largest, most dynamic world ever created in the legendary Fallout universe. Reclamation Day 2012. 25 years after the bombs fall, you and your fellow vault dwellers, chosen from the nation's best and brightest, emerge into... Post-nuclear America. You can play solo or you can join together as you explore, quest, build, and triumph against the wasteland's greatest threats. Fallout 76 will be available worldwide on Wednesday, November 14th. Pre-order right now at participating retailers and play the beta. Games play best on Xbox One. See, there's a bigger picture here. I mean, I can even argue that it's not necessarily a movie about sports You're talking about parents. We're talking about coaches. I can even say, what about the workplace? Does it apply here? What about you? I mean, as an athlete, as a kid growing up, you played a lot of different sports. You played college hockey. What was the athletic experience like for you? Was it good or maybe not so
1: much so? I think at times it was good um, because clearly I wouldn't have played if it wasn't having a blast. But I could tell you, yeah, that as I sort of got higher and higher up the food chain, it it would get almost worse and worse in a sense that you know, the more you're required to to conform to basically exactly what the plan is or the coach coaching style, you know, and there's very little room for creativity or creative thought. Um, and so, I think as I got up and got into college, you know, basically you were you you were told to basically do exactly, or I was told exact to do exactly a certain style that was conservative and, and, and really kind of defensive and systems oriented. And I was more kind of offensive and creative. And, and, you know, there was sort of a clash there. And eventually I kind of lost my passion for the game. Did and, the coach, he coached it out of you in a sense. Basically. Yeah. That, that's exactly what happened. And I, I don't think it was just me. I think it was the rest of the team too. I think uh, we could have had a lot more fun and, and done much better as a result. So you know? what do you make of I mean, you're,
0: you're now a new parent, and I'm ahead of you. I've got a son who's 17. I've got a son yeah. who's 13. They played club baseball. My 13-year-old still does. So you probably have a sense of this already being an athlete, but what do you make of parents? I mean, their obsession, their push, they so badly wanted for maybe not the right reasons. I mean, you see this. Yeah. What's your reaction to
1: it, and is it going to change anytime soon? Well, I think there's nothing more damaging to, uh, you know, to a kid and and his ability to succeed is for for them to be pushed and and that kind of pressure and mentality uh, or parents to be too involved. There's nothing worse. Uh, a kid needs room again to explore and and to enjoy the sport for himself. And if you look at the greatest athletes of all time, they were never they never had to be pushed. You know. Uh, Yes, their parents were involved and sort of there to support and mentor them. But, you know, a kid has to find his own. You can't. It's just like doing homework. You're never going to really learn if somebody's hovering over you and correcting you and this and that. You you have to explore on your own and understand, really understand the concepts internally. And that happens through just being on your own and doing it and, and learning from those experiences. Does that make sense? It does make sense.
0: You know, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, for instance, Wayne Gretzky's dad like he built him a rink you know I mean he was involved very early on like like Gretz what would he say about his dad and his role in
1: his development oh, that's a good question I I think that he would say that his dad ne- I mean bottom line is his dad never pushed him in fact his dad he would say that, you know wanted him to like go to the movies with his friends and do things other than hockey but Gretzky just loved it so much he didn't want to do anything else um and his dad was there and, and one time, you know, r- really interestingly, Wayne describes a time in his past where he was playing for a coach that didn't really understand his style and, and thought didn't appreciate it. And basically his dad says, OK, we're out of here. We, we And so that's really important, too, that you don't continue with, let's say, coaches that are really sort of maybe closed minded or not supportive of, let's say, creativity and you it's important to recognize that and maybe maybe go somewhere else you no, know? it's true and because and a lot because of times because one of the most interesting things he said was that the story about how you know when he was a kid he used to play against this team in Toronto and they would always lose right, right? and you know wayne would always be depressed after playing this specific team in Toronto uh, but his dad would tell him after after the game he'd drive home and say listen none of those kids will ever play in the nhl on the other team because they're way too structured and they're too, they play too much systems, and that's not the way a kid should play. you know, And none of them, the kids on the team went to the NHL and Wayne had five kids on his team huh. that went to the NHL. It, it, it kind of says it beating all beating
0: them down and they kept yeah. beating them down. It's not
1: about winning or losing when you're a kid. you know It's about developing yourself and and, and experimenting and, and developing your abilities. So, Gabe, if, this, if the crux of this is it's about
0: your imagination, it's about your creativity, the Gretzkys as a family obviously understood this, why are
1: coaches not coaching this? Why are they not teaching this? I think that has become so ingrained in, in culture, this idea that, you know, artistry and creativity, well, that's not really sports, that's, you know, that's dancing or some, something else, and it's, it's almost like a machismo thing. But I think people who think very deeply who think about the sport philosophically and even spiritually really can understand that the essence really is kind of creativity and imagination that's why we're that's why we're going and how do you nurture that? I think for everybody it's for everybody it's a different way but the more a coach or teacher understands that the various psychologies of human beings, the more, Kind of accepting they can be, and and really bring that creativity out of each individual, and allow them to have more fun mm-hmm. playing. Because really, it's all about fun. the The greatest athletes of all time, they, they were having the most fun in their sport. Right. It's it's not they don't become great and then have fun. They're having tr- tremendous there's joy, joy, there's joy, there's joy, and then they become great. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that point about how like maybe the establishment just doesn't get it and there's a certain machismo to it and it doesn't seem like it's sports. What about these super achievers? When you talk to a Gretzky or a Jerry Rice or a Pele, if you were to ask them the question,
1: do they see themselves as athletes or maybe something else? Well, I mean, I asked Gretzky point blank, you know, "Are, are you an artist? And he said, I am an artist and I entertain people. And that's what he said. Pele, when I asked him, and Jerry Rice, their eyes light up. They're excited because that's how they see themselves as artists. They don't—they don't see themselves. As, they see themselves as performers. You know, there are people watching. They have to please them. They're paying money. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not there to be a robot to just f- follow orders and do things technically right. You—you you have to be an artist. And that's what fans remember—is is those images that we all remember. Are the artistic ones you know I, I believe I agree with you I agree
0: with you let me ask you something what do you think is the most important aspect of a quarterback's game is its size arm strength speed if you ask the experts the answer is actually pretty simple Accuracy. Hiring for your business is not that much different. You're not looking for attempts. You're looking for completions. You're looking for the right candidate for the job. And no other job site is built for accuracy like ZipRecruiter. Here's how this works. One click sends your job post to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. Then ZipRecruiter's powerful technology learns exactly what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and then actively invites them to apply for your job. The result, accurate matches to people that you would love to hire. Do you need a stat to back that up? Here's one, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day accurate matches. It's what makes ZipRecruiter the smartest way I have ever seen to hire. And you can try it for free right now at ziprecruiter.com/rome. Once again, ziprecruiter.com/rome. ziprecruiter.com/rome. So let me ask you this, kind of a sidebar. And this to me it's bigger than sports. It's going to apply to other walks of life. Just kind of a sidebar. Does what we're talking about apply to Donald Trump? Does it apply to the president? Does he understand this? And has he used this to his advantage?
1: I mean, I'll, I'll just talk about facts here that, um, you know, I I believe that he sort of came in and, and did things that people had never seen before, you know, and, and really surprised everybody. And he still is doing it. He's still doing it. People are, are really caught off guard and and you know and clearly he's selling you know airtime and the guy the media that's all everybody talks about is donald trump because he's he's cl- clearly I, I don't know people are tuning in does that mean he's entertaining i don't know well this whole dramas seems to be entertaining because he's making a lot of money for the media right um now c- do you call that creative uh, yeah but it, it is creative but that doesn't mean that like creative isn't limited to like good people or bad people. Anyone can be creative and they can do it in malevolent ways or or, or good ways. You know what I'm saying? I and do. he's definitely changed the game. I yeah, if- and, and and he got elected because he did it differently. Right. Right. I wonder if he was People being- want it. They want something it, it even in sports, they want something new. They want to be they don't want to watch the same old thing i say I've done this,
0: and I would never make this about me, but I've done this 30 years, and I had two things going for me. I had really good timing... And I came at it a really different way at that time. When I got my start, nobody was talking in terms of opinion. Yeah. It was more kind of a Q&A, and it was, everybody did it the same way. And I thought yeah. to myself, I had these very—I would sat down, and we'd had this conversation. The conversation I had with myself with, why you? Why you? You're, you're not different. You, nobody knows who you are. You didn't play the game at a high level. Why would anybody ever put you on the radio? And for a while, I couldn't answer the question, but then I thought, well— it's going to have to be different. I'm going to have to come exactly. at it differently. I know for a fact, you and I, I would not be interviewing you and talking about your film. I would not be the guy asking the questions had
1: I not come at it a different way 30 years ago. Exactly. I think that's what we're talking no, about, No, I remember. Right? Yeah, and I remember when you first got on on the air and and it felt different. I don't know. There's something fresh, you know, and that's what creativity is, you know, and you don't want to... Oh, wow, that guy's more animated and, and sort of he gets a little bit more honest with things. And that, and you know what I'm saying? Yes. Oh, well, I know. I know. So if you don't... If you're not encouraging The same that, thing with filmmaking. Listen, I don't want to watch this same style of film over and over. With Tarantino, if everyone were making the same thing, it'd be boring. Same with Spielberg. When people start copying that style, it's like your, your eyes start gliding. You have to always keep the audience on their toes you know Uh so sports movies let me just ask you that there that's always been kind of a tricky thing right i mean
0: we all want to see sports movies a lot of times they don't work because the actors are not athletic enough or it just it just doesn't work this is really weird explain this to me so I've got two kids, 17 and 13. They recently went through this weird Rocky stage. Like, out of nowhere, they became obsessed with Rocky. I can remember as a kid going to see Rocky 1. It was the weirdest thing, Gabe. Like, I'm in a movie theater in Los Angeles, and people are cheering for Rocky like it's an actual fight. I'm like, we aren't—I mean, even as a sixth-grade kid, I, re- I realized it was a movie. But years later, my kids were obsessed with Rocky. As a kid growing—explain that to me. And as a kid growing up, were you into that franchise as a yeah, filmmaker definitely now? definitely
1: it was. Definitely, definitely. You know— it's it's a classic it's what what is i'm trying to think what what is it exactly about that and you know these underdog stories like rudy and you know the i i actually am am not a huge lover of like rudy kind of movies because i i always was like this guy sucks you know (laughs) what what are we cheering about he's not even good like like why is that like something we should look up to and whatever? Like, I, I like, look at Tom Brady. That's Rudy. That's the real Rudy. Right. The guy, the guy was, he was picked low in the draft. He, he was, he, you know, no one expected him to be anything. He had to fight and fight. That, that's like a real Rudy. You know, well, Rudy's he was slow. just some
0: scrub getting his
1: ass kicked every day in practice. Yeah, and then he never, and he played one thing. And he made one play. Same. And by the but way, so, so those stories, you know, we, we we like love the and the Miracle on Ice, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a it is an amazing story, and sort of when you put it in that context and all that. But but that's why i made rid of, I I I was impressed. Those guys, you know, they, they weren't like the f- the greatest team to watch. All the you know, like it was they weren't doing anything like so spectacular on the ice. You know what I'm saying? Right. But the, what the Soviets were doing was was like mind blowing how they played. What? And For that, instance, what was revolutionary about those teams? The Soviets. Well, it, it, again, it's a revolution in creativity. They were they were they were the most artistic, beautiful. Collectively creative team we'd ever seen. They were doing things that we would never seen before. Instead of a, you know, they would circle around with the puck and pass it like 30 times. They wouldn't let the other team touch the puck. They would create the most beautiful sequence of of passing and, and scoring combinations we've, we've ever seen, just like the Golden State Warriors, you know, like, or I'm thinking of other examples of, of, uh, other no, you're sports right, just like, just like Golden State, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was mind blowing. What? You know? Well, okay. We're, or, we're, we're like you know the the the, you know the what is it called? Uh, gosh. Well, anyway, it's Barcelona soccer. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Or, or the Dutch team in the 70s that with Johan Cruyff in the World Cup. It was like total, total football. Sure. Um, so, so politically, those players were unbelievable. The Red Army and the team
0: was amazing. When they lost, what kind of things? What kind of pressure did they deal with in the aftermath
1: of that defeat to the Americans? I mean, exactly what you'd expect, you know, you know, the, the a lot, a lot of the players were fired and off the team and, you know, they were kind of, the players basically lost all power, you know, they were all stars and then they lost and then the coach basically like took over and, and, and created a new system that was incredibly like ruthless, right? Uh, discipline. They never left their base. It was uh, it was humiliating, you know. Joy went out of it. Now, what about the players, like
0: the Soviet players?
1: But it's interesting, though. I mean, the, you know, in sports, sorry to interrupt you, Not but at all. but those things happen all the time. Right. Upsets. It's one game, and like it happens every to day. Everybody, everybody, a- every gets beat. day. You know, like you could be off. The other team's up a little bit. Yeah, that was it was super lopsided. But like. You know, no one sleeps that, you know, they're not really trying. And then all of a sudden you're down one and your confidence go, you know, you know, that's the beauty of sports. Like, you get a bad bounce. Yeah. Things happen. I mean, I thought it was about how you bounce
0: back. Right. right. Those guys didn't get the opportunity to get to yeah. bounce back. Right. Yeah. To show what they were made of, to show their grit. Yeah. You know, what about that? You know, so what about these players like the Soviets when they try to make the transition to the NHL? what was that like both on and off the ice for those players world-class players yeah but a very different world what was that like
1: yeah i mean the, the guys they didn't speak the language they were you know no one liked obviously them at that time because of communism and, and and they got made fun of and you know they weren't really like welcomed necessarily in into the teams and the fans were booing them and uh It it was tough, and then also adjusting to the style of play. You know, the NHL at the time was like very rough and linear playing, you know, not like the way the Soviets played. So they had to go from being like incredibly creative to like forced in like the box of the NHL, right? There was was open ice, there was open ice, it was international style of play. So they couldn't even really play, you know, in that sense. There's like aliens coming in and trying, (laughs) you know. So in search of greatness, I mean, you made this really clear. Not only is it personal, Gabe, you call this
0: quote the message of your life. Why do you feel so strongly about this particular message
1: and this project? Well, because I think that we can do a lot better as sort of parents, coaches, um, and kids understanding kind of the importance of of play and, and unstructured play and, and, and the joy of the game. And, and I think that, we could do better, you know, our, our coaching can be better and, and the message of, you know, creativity, freedom and self-expression as the foundations for greatness is just really, really important and, and can make a healthier and happier individuals in society, you know. So based on this conversation, I know where you're going to go with this,
0: but this whole notion of specialization, like, again, I go back to my kids. I mean, they're all in on, on one sport. You know, the weight training, the lessons, the practice. It almost seems like there's not enough time for multiple sports. I'm not saying these kids are good enough to excel in multiple sports,
1: but where do you come out on that? Should they lock in on one sport or should the kids play multiple sports? Yeah, I up? mean, I, I think, you know, every indication, even from the greatest athletes of all time, they all play different sports. And and, and it helps you understand your own sport a lot better to to be well, a well-rounded athlete. Uh to you know it, it it develops your brain and your body in a different way and you could you, and and it's richer and plus you don't burn out and um did you did you play all I hockey growing up or did you play other sports no i played i played other sports i loved uh, every other sport you know at a certain point yeah i mean you got to focus more on your on your the sport you love but so how would you get this movie made if you had an hour each with yeah. these
0: guys and, and doing this also, I understand how this works. What about footage? How hard was
1: it to get footage? It was, it, it, I mean, the hard part was, like, finding footage that, that would surprise people, you know, and, and, and impress them. And, uh, you know, that was hard to find. And then, you know, I think it was a challenge, again. Like, I didn't have a, a whole lot of time with these guys, so I had to really, I don't think you need a, a lot of time if you're really focused, to get to the heart and soul of it of of greatness you know um it's not about how much time it's about what you do at that time yeah, but Gabe, let me ask you is one interviewer
0: to another I understand exactly what you're saying yeah. you have an hour yeah you can't set them up but you yeah. want them to be comfortable and you got it you got play a little bit of chess
1: did you go right at it from the first question how did you use that hour well I'm trying to remember I mean i I, I was so kind of I don't know if the right word was, ter- I wasn't terrified, but I was so focused and I knew that I had to deliver on this because I'd never get another interview again that I almost like blacked out, honestly. Yeah. I was just like, so in it and all I cared about, I didn't even really focus on what they were saying, but it was all about the emotions and the and the energy I was feeling between and how they were answering, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, no, I you're know not what, you're even- saying. what if they don't show up the yeah. right
0: way? What if they're like, I know-, yeah, yeah, I, know I, know I know how people say, yes, I will do it. And it sounds great, and then the day of, and they're like, "Shit, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. All right, I'll do it. or I won't
1: do it. What if they don't show up the right way? And you know, you've got one shot." Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Jim. I mean, I just, I, I didn't even think about that, honestly. I just, I just tried to, to get it the best I could, you know. You did. You nailed it. So who, who did you want? I, I usually don't like this question. Hey, Rome, who yeah. you want to interview, but you <laughs> haven't interviewed?
0: Who did you want that you couldn't get? I mean, the movie's great yeah. it works great was yeah. there somebody you really wanted yeah. to yeah, I mean, get
1: Yeah I I tried to get Michael Jordan I met with his right. manager in Washington and and she basically told me like look even if if this is even on the table you know you're not going to be able to have control of this project in other words creative control so that was kind of off the table then I really went after hard Serena Williams um also hard to get Many to. different angles she's even represented by IMG who financed the movie what I couldn't make that happen I I tried Willie Mays um, I got really close and then didn't happen but you know in the end I feel like I got guys who really inspired me and I was able to include those others in in, in creative ways and really I think without even getting the footage but capture the essence of sort of who, who they are and how, how they can fit into the film like Michael Jordan you saw you sure. know kind of were you, were you willing to negotiate
0: at all with these people? Because we get this also. When I book people on my show, sometimes it's like, he'll do it or she'll do it, but they will not talk about this. And then we just say, no, it's it's not conditional. We're not going to be unfair. It's not going to be a bad experience. But no, you can't really tell me what I can and cannot ask. As a filmmaker and you need access, were you willing to negotiate that at
1: all? As an example, when Jordan's person said, well, you're not going to control it. Yeah, that, that, that was sort of a non-starter, obviously, because... You know, basically I would have to show Michael Jordan and he, he, you know, I can't make a whole film and then show him and then he doesn't approve, you know, that, that can't happen. So, but with the other guys, it wasn't, they never brought anything up I mean, nothing was off the table, but yeah, I'm sure if I asked them something inappropriate, maybe someone would step in, you right? Know sure quick shout out to all the building professionals that are listening right
0: now if you're a contractor or a builder or a remodeler lumber liquidators pro plus is the only partner you are ever going to need for all your flooring needs with special pro only pricing and dedicated support these guys know exactly what's going on ll pro plus will help you get your flooring jobs done quickly and profitably and that's what you want right Are you worried about selection and availability? You never need to be because Lumber Liquidators has over 150 million square feet of flooring available with over 100,000 square feet in stock in most of their stores, so they've got you covered. And they stock professional grade adhesives, underlayment, molding, tools, fasteners, and grout, so you get exactly what you need when you have to have it. If you're too busy to pick up the flooring, that's also not a problem because the LL Pro Plus team will deliver it right to your job. And with LL Pro Plus, you can even get a business line of credit. So put the LL Pro Plus flooring experts on your team right now. Visit your local Lumber liquidator store or just go to LumberLiquidators.com ProSales. Once again, walk into a local store or go to LumberLiquidators.com slash ProSales today. Okay, so now the movie is getting Oscar buzz. I'm really curious about this. It's getting Oscar buzz. Gabe, is that really exciting for you, or frankly, is that just
1: not why you're in this thing? Um, I mean, it's, uh, you know, all that stuff, I have no trust in that system, really. It's sort of in, in terms of sort of being able to predict it or, or, or the, 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 the fairness of it in general. However, it does, you know, if you if you are getting buzz or getting that kind of attention, it helps your career and it helps the film. So I mean, no one can deny that that can be helpful, you know. So obviously, you welcome it when it's there, but you know, sort of worrying about it or, or paying too close attention is is a, you know is not really healthy. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. And see, now you
0: you came to this a little bit later. It's not like you grew up as a kid saying, this is what I want to do. How did you, I mean, did it find you or did you find it? And when did filmmaking become like a
1: viable thing? I think it's a little bit of both. When I was, uh, at the end of my senior year in college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was a political science major. Most of my teammates and, and friends were going into Wall Street or, you know, law school or, you know, places that I didn't want to be. Uh, How come? I I don't know. I just didn't think I'd be happy doing it, and I didn't think that that was like where my skills were. I kind of knew it in- internally. I could do it, but I wouldn't be. You were already creative. thinking about this stuff
0: without maybe knowing yeah. it. Just what we're talking about. So. This whole point of the movie, exactly,
1: right? and so. I just was looking around kind of open-minded what what should I do? I'm not I'm not sure. And and so my roommate was doing a lot of sketch comedy and editing and performing and I just uh, that kind of flipped a switch. I was always kind of a troublemaker in school you- and entertaining, kind of a class clown, let's call it that, right? So I was always entertaining the class and trying to be funny whatever. But that all that is is like it's the same as sport. You're trying to entertain people. You want people to be happy and kind of tell a story. You know, it's all communication you know you're communicating whether it's something funny or this or that you're, you're trying to communicate with people and, and I felt like I had I had stories or messages to communicate to that I could do well I just and so I, I kind of started from scratch right there you know at the end of my so, so I, I mean
0: young filmmakers if you're listening to this conversation I have a sense of what the advice might be but when you're coming out, you're like You're Ivy League, right? There's pressure. There's expectation. You're with the best of the best. And these are coming from really good families. I remember when I came out, when I got into this business... There was a lot of pressure. We all thought we were going to dominate. We're young. We're naive, right? We're all going to make it to the top. But then it starts to weed itself out. And then you've got your friends that did go to Wall Street or they did become attorneys or they're in business and they're making money and you're stuck in a small market and you can't get out. And then there's pressure. Either you give in and you quit and you try to chase the money or you stay with the dream. What was it like when you were coming out? When these guys are going to Wall Street and they're getting paid right away and you're chasing the film dream, there might not be money right away. Did you feel that
1: pressure at all? Yeah, I mean I I just tried to stay focused and passionate. I mean, that's all you could do. I mean, if you if I look back on kind of the things that I've had to deal with and and everyone has hard things to deal with, but you, you almost if you almost look back and say, "I don't know if I could do that again," because right. it's so crazy and 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 all that. But like, what stuff you can get into? Like, what are we talking about? Like, what? Just, what kind of just crazy the stuff politics of the with? business and how strange it is, and and difficult, and the rejection. You know, um, it's 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 incredibly, um, it's soul crushing. Yeah, it can I, be that way if you're if you're not really. How do you maintain a belief and, in yourself you just, yeah, you when yourself? When others keep giving you in, negative in feedback, you just pay attention to your work and you, and you don't let your your sort of emotions and ego get into the way. And it's just you know focus on the work. You know and and just be real and be honest and get get feedback. Try and get advice here and there and just do things that make common sense. You know if you're living in La La Land, you know and just in it for kind of the image or the wrong reason then then you could easily get knocked off track you know but if you're really honest with the work i think it helps you get through all the bad th- times you know if you're about the
0: craft and you're about the right stuff so your teammates before we wrap this your teammates and those guys that went off and they did those things they went to yeah. law school they went to wall street are you still good friends with them? Like, how did it all work? I'm always curious. I, I would love to find the guys that we all came up together and we had similar thoughts and yeah. similar goals. And if we get, and that's a movie. Sit down and how did their lives all play out over
1: 25, 30 years? Like your guys, how are they all mm. doing now? Do you talk to them still? Well, guys, I, I, I not a lot of talking to the guys in the hockey team because I left the sport, you know, really painfully and heartbroken, and it was just tough for me to, to go back there and. Hmm. Um, and and but but got, I, I had you know friends in college and obviously even before that we you know that I still stay in touch with and you know I, everyone's got their own thing. I think they're really kind of curious and supportive of, of what I'm doing and 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 I don't think they ever thought that uh, you know i'd I'd maybe do this well or whatever but but, but, you, but you know did, it's but exciting. You back, like you it's so Red great, Army. but it's so awesome to share it with them and right and, so but you screened Red Army to the guys back at Yale, right? To the yeah, but I didn't play with those guys. Those were guys on the team, okay. Recently, so how did they react to it though? They were so excited and 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 you know loved the film, and it was great to kind of talk about it afterwards. And and they were talking about what they might want to do and after school, and it was just great. So what was that like for you to hear that from them to see that excitement in them? It was then that's what it's all about, right? You know, it's communicating and, and and trying to help each other out and sharing ideas and and collaboration just like you know like sport you know when you're doing it well and you're having fun and it's great it's the best stuff man yeah. that's why you're in it yeah right so your is your baby is it a boy or a girl a boy
0: all right so if your career ended kind of with heartbreak and this movie is about the way it should be done what are you gonna do with this son i mean is is it sports is it just find the passion and leave it alone how are you gonna raise this kid it's, yeah, it's pretty I mean, heavy stuff for a baby i mean yeah. you got you have a lot of time to figure it out yeah. but you have thoughts on it though right how are you gonna approach it
1: yeah, I mean, it just like kind of what you said at the end there. It's it's you know I'm not like focused on sports or whatever, whatever kind of the kid is inclined to like and and enjoy and you know if he becomes obsessed with something, just provide the the I guess the means if possible to to allow him to express himself, you know, and without without pushing and you know my putting myself into it, you know, the, the more you sort of put yourself into it it just seems false and crazy because you know ever my kid's gonna be different than me you know and he what what he likes will be different and that's basically it but you know you've got to learn the fundamentals in life you know how to how to read and write and you know function and have good values but then beyond that how to function how to get that phone out of your hand how to function yeah, exactly. without that, that that's a different world I hear, yeah, it's, yeah it's it's frustrating it's hard video I, games you know
0: we didn't come up like that I I know I didn't come up like that I know that if I was in the house because if it were up to me I would have watched football baseball basketball all day long and my old man was like get your ass out of the house get out of the yeah. house go play the game yeah. don't watch the game like, yeah. yeah but dad this stuff's great man this is my passion get out of the house <laughs> it's a beautiful day and I feel like saying <laughs> get out of the house it's a beautiful day so Gabe when, when does the film In Search of Greatness when is the preview and when does it hit
1: theaters so it hits the theaters this week on November 2nd and uh, it's going to Start in in uh, basically twenty six theaters,
2: and, 26. Then, and then
1: expand Great. from there. So yeah, we're we're opening nationwide in commercial theaters, uh, and the tickets are available on uh, you know. Google and Google and the website and all that. Is there more information if they want to follow you, if they want to find you
0: on social, if they want more information, what is the best way to get it?
1: The best way to get it is on the website, which is in searchofgreatness.com. All the information is there about the film and uh, tickets and you know things like that. I so think it's, it's great.
0: I, I think the movie is great. And I could tell that this is a... It's one thing to say it's a passion project, but to your point, it's the message of your life. I could see what you put into this thing. You're going to ride this thing. You'll see how it goes. Do you have
1: any idea what you're going to do next? Or is that just not part of your process? Like, where do you go from here? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm finishing another film. I'm not uh, another documentary right now uh, that is a lot different tonally. It's more like a dark comedy uh, that's also kind of in the sports world. I'm not going to get into it, but it, it, it's like Big Lebowski or Fargo uh, of a documentary. Um, So when you're ready, you'll come back. and We'll talk about that one, too. Right. It's definitely going to be very entertaining. I promise you. So has to be one one thing I want to say, Jim, please, is we're trying to get uh, teams to go together. So there's like the hashtag take your team. Why teams? And ultimately, what is the message
0: you would like viewers and individuals and teams to take away from this movie?
1: I think, you know, when teams go together, they're going to have a much better understanding of greatness and it's going to help them, you know, improve their game and, and, you know, coaches better understand how to get the most out of a player and have the most fun.
0: Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite brands, Dickies. Dickies is the number one brand in performance workwear, and they know that work is more than just what you do, it's who you are. And just like pro athletes, your work is going to be judged by how you perform on that job. This is why Dickies Flex work pants and shirts are engineered to give you superior mobility, advanced protection, and enhanced durability. Plus, Dickie's Flex is backed with Dickie's unconditional satisfaction guarantee, so you know that the Flex series is made to work as hard as you do. Dickie's Flex, engineered to move, engineered to last. Learn more right now at Dickie's.com. Once again, go to Dickie's.com. Huge thanks to Gabe for making time to not only do the pod, but to come down and sit down in studio. Much appreciated. And a huge thank you to everybody who keeps coming back to the Jim Rohn podcast. Thanks for helping this thing thrive. I'm talking to all of you who make it a point to get here every single week and listen front to back, and then hit me up with your thoughts on Twitter. I love that so many of you are enjoying this and getting a lot out of it. Now, if you're new here, do me a solid and subscribe to the podcast. This way, it will find you every single time we put out a new episode. You don't have to look for it. It will find you. Also, subscriptions elevate the exposure of the podcast. It helps other people find it as well. So do that if you haven't already done so, and I appreciate it so much. As is the case most weeks. I've also got a batch of voicemails right now that I need to roll for you. If you want to help make this thing better, then do your part. Dial this number, put it in your phone right now 949. 949- Be sure to leave me a message. If it's sharp enough, if it's tight enough, if it's funny enough, or maybe if it's just whack enough, I will drop it on a future episode. Once again, thank you very much for listening and for coming around, and I will see you again next week for episode 58.
2: First new message. Watching a show the other day about the no-cal-so-cal thing about uh, people from San Francisco not liking L.A. Neither do the people in San Diego. So it's not just a no-cal-so-cal thing. Everybody hates L.A. Except people who live there. Out. Message saved. Next message. For the love of God, Jim. Kinsler. What a stupid idiot, huh? Jesus. Message deleted. Next message. Doyer. 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 Doyer.
1: Doi.
2: Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Roby. It's Robin, your favorite flight attendant from St. Pete. Hey, just checking in from 38,000 feet up here, man. Wanted to let you know I heard that podcast of Faraday. Wow. Raw. Never quite heard that guy like that. Really emotional and just real. Loved it. Hey, Ward, Lady Clones. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Hey, this is Jerry from Richmond, man. Richmond VA. I just want to shout you out. Yes, I've been listening to this show since, what, 2001? When I was 15 years old and that D-bag Jay Stu picked up. Hey, what do you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, bro, I want to... T- well, I'm sorry, your take isn't good enough. Holla! Message saved. Next message.
1: Jim, bro. This is Eric in Santa Cruz, California. Thank you so much for everything you do. Listen to you every single day while I'm working. Takes out a big chunk of the workday. Thank you very much.
2: Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim, this is David in Buffalo calling in. We've got to talk about Rick Patino trying to get into the
0: NBA again as a coach. But in reality, Patino, you probably need to go to somewhere like Siberia to coach a pro team because you're a scumbag, you're a loser on the NBA level, and most of all, you're
2: a jerk. Message saved. You have no more messages.